You're listening to the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide Podcast. Hey, if your journey down the proverbial rabbit hole has cost you friends and family, or maybe it's just convinced your loved ones that you're a little bit crazy, this podcast is for you. Nothing's off limits. We're going to cover it all from a biblical worldview. There's going to be humor, insight, and validation for your journey. So join us as we learn to walk through this crazy world as a Christian truther, as we shed every ounce of willful ignorance so we can fulfill our destiny and leave a legacy. Okay, okay, settle down, settle down. Everything's gonna be okay. Well, hey, this is John. So good to be back with the likes of you people. All you truth seekers. You know, people that are just willing to uh, take it on the chin, as they say, for standing up for what you believe. I commend you and God commends you. And I really do look forward to being together and talking through these things, these things that we experience on our journeys together. I mean, you may be in your car on your way to the salt mines right now. Maybe I could just lift your spirits and bring you some solace to what might otherwise be a life of quiet desperation. Or things may be going well. You know, you may be on top of the world financially. You got your health, families together, you got a dog. But if you're a truther, you still have a lot of questions and probably some confusion. Where do my loyalties lie? What's really important? Why can't I just chill out and enjoy life like the normies do, right? <laughs> but you got to remember that speech that Morpheus gave Neo in the Matrix. Told him the red pill, blue pill speech. He said, once you take this red pill, there's no turning back. So... For whatever that's worth, I'm glad you're with us. At least I don't have to go on this journey alone. Okay, so we're stuck with each other. And we're here in the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. Covering a variety of topics from week to week. But we're always going to be talking about the journey of the Christian truther. Christian truther is somebody that walks with God, has a biblical worldview, but they also found out some things. And typically, when that happens to you, there are people that are very important to you in your life that have not found out these things, those conspiracy theories. And this introduces a whole nother level of trouble into your life. So that's what we're here to talk about today. The title of my talk is Normies Need to Apologize. I wrote a book about this. You can get it on Amazon. It's called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. It's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. So if you're feeling isolated, misunderstood, and disrespected, it's not uncommon. It's actually very common. So we're glad you're here. And having said that, uh, it's time for us to touch on some headlines. We call this the Issachar, Sons of Issachar Update. 
That's a reference from Chronicles 12.32, where the Bible describes men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Isn't that interesting? I mean, every preacher I've talked to about any type of conspiracy theory would always tell me, well, I just want to focus on souls, John. And typically, they would characterize anyone who trafficked in these types of things as you know, an unnecessary distraction or more forcefully a demonic delusion. You know, you'd get rebuked for it if you keep talking about it. But it seems that if God only wanted us to focus on winning souls, then my Bible would only be a half a centimeter thick and not an inch thick. And so it turns out that the Bible addresses all the spheres of life, and here you have a group of men who are described as basically being conspiracy theorists. They're kooks. And who knows, maybe they were living in their mom's basement, living on the fringe of Israel. It says they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It sounds like they had a grasp of geopolitical issues. Maybe because uh, it made them feel significant because they were insecure. Did you ever hear that one? Who knows, maybe they were even anti-science, anti-government climate deniers. But I'm taking a cue from their leadership anyway. I'm going to give you my take on current events for just a few minutes here, if that's okay. So in U.S. news, apparently there was a sophisticated gang of illegal aliens was arrested for robbing dozens of victims, about 62 people in New York, crime spree. These were illegal aliens, and they've been operating a sophisticated criminal network. 62 victims, nearly all of whom were women, stealing their purses, cell phones. A lot of them were injured terribly in this. The article doesn't mention this, but I'm quite sure that they were immediately released, given new cell phones, prepaid cards that are recharged every month with an extra $2,000, and they were probably provided with health insurance as well, and just told to behave themselves. Then in other news, Iran-backed Houthi rebels targeted two commercial ships sailing in the southern Red Sea following airstrikes by the United States in the United King and the United Kingdom on dozens of locations across Yemen, Iraq, Syria over the weekend. Now at this point, knowing that our government has been completely infiltrated, you have to sit back and wonder if you can really characterize these poor souls as rebels. I mean, let's be honest. We just dropped 85 bombs on Iraq and Syria about a week ago. This is as of February 6th, 2024. Now, that was in response to three U.S. servicemen tragically being killed in a drone attack that was launched on a military base that we have in the country of Jordan. So, just to take a step back, let's just say China had a military base down the street from you. And then some other guy, not you, that you don't know, he got fed up with having invaders down the street and he launched a drone attack to try to get him out of there. He killed three Chinese guys and in response, China carpet bombed your entire neighborhood with 85 bombs. Well, that ticked off some other guy that you don't know and he responded by attacking some Chinese cargo ship. Kind of puts a different light on things when you think of it like that. I'm just saying, I don't condone violence by anybody, but if you try to put yourself in these poor people's situation, we're putting bases in their countries. We're invaders. 
The people dropping these bombs are not public servants. They've captured the power structure of the federal government and are using it to wage tyranny on the world. So are these people rebels, as this article says? Maybe they're more like freedom fighters or doing what any normal person might do in their situation. I don't know. I just throw out food for thought. Try to put a different light on things. And according to reports from a variety of official and citizen journalists, sources of the number of illegal, illegal aliens pouring over the southern border are being significantly understated. According to some experts, the number is close to 13 to 14 million have come across the border since Biden took office. Many are military-aged men who appear to have an agenda. According to one study, the number of illegal aliens pouring over the southern border now exceeds the U.S. birth rate. We're being overrun. And if these types of numbers are correct, even if they were halted to zero as of today, our life will never be the same moving forward. But if they continue and increase, it's certainly a flood of illegal aliens into our country at that level are going to encroach on everyone's little suburban lifestyle. And it seems actually to be exactly what we've read about so many times throughout Scripture, where the children of Israel would, would never lose a battle until they started sinning and giving themselves to idolatry, in which case God would lift the hedge. And you hear passages like Zechariah 14.2, where he says, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So, in politics, according to a recent Rasmussen poll, nearly 60% of U.S. voters believe Biden is experiencing mental decline. Now, what's so frightening about this is that there's approximately 250 million voting age people in the U.S., which means that close to 100 million people think this masked imposter that is the CEO of a privately held for-profit company called United States by the name of Joe Biden is not mentally impaired. Right? 60% say he is. That means 40% say he isn't. Well, that's frightening. Uh, it's certainly worth mentioning, but in international news, El Salvador's president, Nayib Buckle, was reelected in a landslide. He appears to be pro-freedom, populist president like Trump in El Salvador, right? And he's being billed within the truth of community as a blow to the new world order. But even if that's true, what difference does it really make in the larger scheme of things if the Bible's true? Whether you're in the wherever you are in the eschatological time clock, before the millennial reign or after, you either get the Battle of Armageddon or the Battle of Gog and Magog staring down your throat here. And so, wherever you are, you know Satan's still the god of this world. Uh, doesn't seem to be any hope from the Book of Revelation that things are going to get better and better in society, like the Kingdom Now people preach. Right? Even if a bunch of populists presidents get in, even if they're not shills, uh, I don't see uh, us having any kind of utopian future. And I don't mean to be a gloomy Gus, but if you're going to know what's really happening on 
what's going to happen. You pretty much have to frame it all with a biblical worldview. So as far as I can tell, all we can hope to do is sort of be like the rookie basketball player that kind of gets put in at the last quarter of the game when you're behind by 40 points and there's maybe three minutes to play. So no matter what you do, you're not going to win, but you can at least show your stuff to the coach whose side you're on and get one chance to go out in a blaze of glory. How's that sound? All right, it's, it's a sort of not-on-my-watch response, I think, that people grab a hold of, and they adopt that, and it makes them continue to fight in the face of certain defeat. Because <laughs> there is something to be won by at least pushing back the timetable. That is certainly a biblical concept. And so what we're told, for instance, is if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I will hear from heaven and I will heal, heal their land. So that's a conditional promise. If we jump into this, we can push back the timetable. Maybe we can die of old age instead of in the camp somewhere. All right, so I hope that was helpful. And I'm going to go ahead and transition us to the message for which we are here today to hear, which is normies need to apologize. I hope that helps you as well. God bless. Our website is wakeuporelse.com. And we're a Christian fellowship for the truth or community, which is kind of different. You know, imagine going into your church and, and talking Flat Earth and Mandela Fact, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Project Blue Beam, absolutely. Yeah, reptilian shapeshifters. I was looking into that yesterday. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and the clone thing. I've been looking into the clone thing. It seems like a lot of the politicians are just simulants, you know. Have you looked into No. No. No, you can't do that. Try and do that and see what happens to you. You will get the left hand of fellowship. All manner of uh, persecution will be rained down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you all know what I'm talking about, baby. It's not, it's not uh, the welcome wagon is not out for that. And we've been looking into this. What's up with our brothers and sisters? I've been saying that a church cannot properly minister to a Christian in the, in the year 2022 unless you're a kook. Unless you are absolutely 100% operating on the fringe of society, uh, you know, trafficking in the dark corners of the Internet, in, the, in your mom's basement, and you're a conspiracy theorist, uh, can you properly understand and, and talk to your people in your congregation properly. I, you can't do it. Because, you know, a lot of churches went along with the, with the masks. They're still doing it. It's really mind-boggling. You know, look at the box. The box says this will not protect you from COVID, but you have to wear it to protect you from COVID. Or the shots, let's not even go there. And so uh, 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 truthers are being vindicated, and they ain't saying nothing yet. They ain't seen nothing yet. So we thank God for his grace that he has given us eyes to see. Our brothers have eyes, but they can't see. They have eyes, but they can't perceive what we have perceived. And we've been given grace to perceive it. It's not our greatness and our, our you know, intellectual prowess or anything. But we're outcasts. We're, we're homeless. 
for most of us, me included, our families have become strangers to us. If they haven't outright banned us from the family, like in my case, I was asked to leave after 24 years of marriage, and I am now fully divorced. I have four children. Three of them are still in high school. And it is a veil of tears. And so for but many, you know, you manage to grind out a coexistence, but it is tough. Uh, but a lot of you have written to me and told me my kids don't talk to me. I'm divorced. My pastor told me I was nuts and not to talk about the Bible changes. What do we do? You know, where do you where do you go? Well, you can come here. You're welcome here. <laughs> You're like a Christian and a truther here. I was going to share with you about normies need to apologize. And you see this guy here, that's the normie. And they're going, nah, 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 nah. I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm not listening. And I thought of that passage in Exodus where the children of Israel told Moses, he, they said, you speak to us and we'll hear you, but don't let God speak to us. That's the normie. The normie's like, I don't want to know the truth. <laughs> I don't want God to tell me the truth. Like Romans 1, hello, all of creation bears witness to God. And you think about it, if you live on a stationary earth with a dome over it, that is bearing some witness to God, bro. Let me tell you. You know, the dome didn't come into existence because uh, there was spinning gases billions of years ago. The earth was just gases and it's started to spin. Isn't that what you were taught? Were you all taught the spinning gases theory as how the earth came into existence? Well, if that's true, how did the dome come into existence? Did the spinning gases create the dome? I think not. All right, so just to let you know that this is your ministry. Thank you, Brian. We are no accident. Um, I am here but you are here, and we are here. And actually, while I'm thinking about I want to brag on Vernice, my, my new friend Vernice, because she's the first fruits. And I tried yesterday to get her to log on. We did a test run, and we couldn't get her phone to work. It was kind of working, but it wasn't working. So if you're here, Vernice, just chat in. Let me know you're here, and we'll, we'll hear from you. Say, hi, I'm here. Okay, and so what Vernice did was Vernice reached out to a large household name ministry. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to name any names. And uh, if I said the name of this person, everyone would know. It. And she got somebody on the phone, which I won't mention, and proceeded to convince this pastoral person that the Mandela effect was a real end times phenomenon. It was unbelievable. I was like, bravo. <laughs> Woohoo! She brought home the bacon, okay? And so so now she has sent this individual like 10 pages of Bible changes, and they're going to follow up and then perhaps offer me the opportunity to speak to this individual. And if so, by some miracle, we can actually get an audience with the person who will go unnamed. But this is what God told me about a year ago. And I started telling you guys, I said, the preachers are coming. The church leaders are coming. They are going to reach out. We are going to reach out and God's going to give them eyes. 
they're going to start popping up and saying, look, I, I can't deny this is happening. I saw your stuff. Can you talk to me? And we're going to get them on here. Okay, but this is you. You are Vernice. You can go to the website, wakeuporelse.com, go to the resources tab, and there's two Bible quizzes there. One is universal Bible quizzes, and one is King James. Okay, so don't make the same mistake I did. I was asking a pastor Bible quiz questions from the King James one, and he used American Standard or whatever. So ask them, hey, what Bible do you use? New American Standard. Okay, use the universal Bible change quiz. And go out and do what Vernice did, and we can start having enough impact because if you think about it, the truther community is a learning community or it's a battle for the mind community. But at some point, it has to become a take action community. So you have to take what you've learned and begin to implement. So Vernice had the gumption to reach out and was effective, incredibly effective. And so imagine, imagine if we start getting an audience with ministries that have a national footprint. And by some, I, listen, I'm not naive, okay? I know, and I will tell them, I will say, you know, the rich young ruler is, is the biggest issue in this conversation, okay? Because if you bite down on this, if you see the undeniable truth of this, what are you going to do? Are you really going to get on there on your, you know, international platform and tell everybody? What's going to happen? It's going to blow up your ministry. Your, 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 all of your good faith in the community is, is going to come under attack. Finances, I mean, it's a, it'll, it'll, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. But let's be honest, you know, that's what you're up against. That's going to be the first thing out of my mouth when I talk to them. Because then what are they going to do? I mean, it's true. They're, they're toast. If they roll this out, their ministry is over pretty much. But they'll have God. They could be a vagabond with us. And they can start a new ministry. Maybe they'll go from, you know, whatever down to 2%, but then they can go back up. because. People are hungry. First of all, they're tired of being lied to. They can sense, you know, the wizard behind the curtain. They know that things are not what they're being told, and they're begging for somebody that's got the gumption to come along and tell them the truth. And this idea, if you're a church leader and you're listening to me, the idea that you aren't going to tell them because you're afraid that people are going to backslide, let me give you two options. Which one is more perilous? You use wisdom to roll this out. You get your elders first and you bring them into a room and you disclose what's happening to them and they see it and they bind to you. Then they tell their families. So now you have the anchor families on board and then you roll it out to your congregation. Come what may. Trust the Lord with the people's souls. Okay, will some backslide? It's the great falling away. It's not your fault. There's a great falling away. Versus you don't tell them, and now your entire congregation is under a conspiracy 
to seduce them into following after a false doctrine that's being crafted in, in your very scriptures, which I'm not going to try to validate that. I mean, you'd have to watch any number of 50 videos on my YouTube channel or website. And you're going to basically be a co-conspirator and help facilitate their blindness to the fact that the doctrine is being changed to begin to line up with the Antichrist's claims. So when he gets revealed, they will be susceptible to casting off the simplicity which is in Christ and their faith in Christ and go, oh, I guess I was mismistaken. I must have been mistaken because what the Antichrist is saying is right here in the Bible, so he must be, he must really be the, the, uh, the Lord or whatever, whatever the picture is. It. So those are your two perils, and you're going to have to pick one. Hey, friends, I just wanted to break into this message here for one second and just share with you that being a content creator is a very challenging undertaking. Typically, folks either work full-time and do this on the side, so they're burning the candle at both ends, or you jump in with both feet like we have, and you trust listeners to help support you if they can. That's us. We're on a mission. So please consider partnering with us by using the donate button below. Every small amount is appreciated, even five bucks. You can also visit our store, which is Bargaintopia. It's B-A-R-G-I-N-topia.com. And we got a variety of lab-tested, super clean supplements with free shipping. We're going to be adding custom apparel for conspiracy theorists kooks and then other extremely unique and useful things. So check us out over there. Be sure to join us for our live streams over at Wake Up or Else on YouTube. And you can find us at wakeuporelse.com. Thanks for keeping us going. Back to our message. Anyway, I'm really encouraging folks to reach out to me by, by email. Um, one thing that I, would, I, would, I could use help with is reaching out and finding Christian call-in shows. So you go online and you start researching, make a list of when they are, what the numbers are, and you get those to me. I'll start calling in. I can, depending on what state they're in, I can record them or reach out to uh, professors at Bible colleges. We need to start reaching out. And I'm going to start doing more of that as well. And I've really felt that it would be prudent to have this little disclaimer every time since we're kind of I mean, just by default, we're kind of on the forefront of doctrine. Okay, so in other words, I'm not aspiring to anything. I'm just saying if we're correct, which I'm pretty sure we're correct, then there is new doctrine that's being established with God's permission. How do you respond to the Bible supernaturally changing? That's a doctrine. You're, 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 how are you going to, like I have a, a sermon or whatever? It's called uh, the doctrine of abandonment or the doctrine of adhesion. Are you going to abandon the Bible or are you going to cling to it? Do you believe that the, the immutable edicts that God gave the forefathers and the original autographs are still in effect? In other words, does Thou shalt not murder still apply to you? Or has the Bible changes eradicated God's authority in the earth altogether? 99.9% .9 of the people on this transmission would say, no, 
God's authority is absolutely still in effect. Just because the devil's parlor tricks is messing with the words on a page hasn't scratched God's throne. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever you are reacting to this, that's new doctrine, okay? So one of them is what I have here on the screen. This is my little mini statement of faith. I'm a Bible believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus. I love God's word, and I seek to rightly divide the word. But through a preponderance of empirical evidence, I've been forced to admit that the prophecies that clearly warned us that the devil would seek to change times and laws, Daniel 7.25, in the last days is now happening. And so I must warn you that your blessed scriptures are under satanic attack, and you need to rely on the Holy Spirit to teach you and guide you as we quote scripture. I'm not advocating that we abandon scripture only that you must be aware that it is happening and be vigilant. Having said that, I will not stop to point out every change that I notice when I'm reading scriptures. It's, it's just too arduous. It would take too long because they're all changed, some more than others. And that doesn't mean that I don't see it or that I'm endorsing it. I get that a lot. You know, I, I'm going through my talks and I might quote 15 scriptures and somebody will send me, a post saying, are you endorsing this Bible scripture because it's changed? I'm like, come on, man. So this is my disclaimer for you. There's nothing wrong with my heart. I'm not going over to the dark side just because I don't parse every passage of scripture, you know, to acknowledge that it's changed. We understand it's changing, but we can still pull the essential meaning out as I'm referring to the passages, and I could care less about the devil's parlor tricks. Amen? How do you feel about that? How about an amen? <laughs> all quoted passages are probably altered by the Lucy's read and listen at your own risk. Okay? So I've been on this topic for about three weeks now, and this is the final week I'm going to be covering this. And I have some really helpful things tonight that I know God has revealed to me about the dynamics between the normie and the truther. Thank you for those amens, Victoria and Dan. I really appreciate that. Now, I may mention some of the same things that I have in the previous weeks, but it, it's really necessary to give context. So don't think I'm just repeating myself if I touch on anything that I've already said in the last week or two. Because I, I, I can assure you, this is new info to uh, what we're talking about. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about what's really happening between me and my family. And I've been sharing about what's going on with my family a lot. And that's going to be tonight, too. And so I learned this skill of analyzing things really deeply from my dysfunctional childhood. It was really a defense mechanism to try to survive and manage what I experienced, which was really like mind rape. It was being done to me by my blessed mom growing up. My mom was a drunk and she was really neurotic and really angry. And I would have to endure these diatribes 
until it was over and they would last you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I would just sit there. I was stunned. I'm 10, I'm eight and whatever. And I would try to analyze when she would finally get tired and walk away. Um, what just happened to me? Cause any, any attempt on my part to like respond to what she was saying, she would, she would, spin out of control and then start crying and accuse me of attacking her. I mean, it was really bad. <laughs> it was really, um, so I learned coma mode where I would just go into a shell uh, uh, and be in a coma kind of state until she was done. And she would, I would, I just wouldn't answer because there was no use of answering. It was a minefield, right? But I would try to figure out what she was really saying. So all of you are now kind of beneficiaries of my twisted, barren, <laughs> abusive child. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's how God rolls. He, he takes that which is meant for evil and he uses it for good. So praise the Lord. So on that note, let me just let me just ask God for his help as I before I go into this. Father, I just. Stop, and I ask you, thank you for this fellowship, Lord, all of my family here. I just bless them in Jesus' name. And we just thank you that the moment we stop and we bow our heads, Lord, that your presence comes, and it's so sweet to us. And we're so dependent upon you, Lord. We're, we're so needy, Lord, and we just hunger after you, and we're thirsting after you, and we're looking to you, Father, for answers to all of these mysteries and how we're supposed to hold our heads high and conduct ourselves under this persecution. So we ask you for wisdom. I, I pray for every person that will listen to this, that they will have ears to hear and, and eyes to see and hearts to receive the word of the Lord that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So with my kids, I really was like, okay, what are they really saying when they tell me, dad, if you talk about crazy things, I don't want to have a relationship you, with you. Like what's going on in their minds? What does it mean to them when they say that? And what does it mean to me when I hear it? So I'm like, all right, let me take a step back in order to really comprehend what's happening like on a relational basis, I had to take a step back and go back before I was a truther. So you're, you're, this is you before you're a truther. You're doing life, you know, you're a Christian probably, and you're doing whatever. You know, you don't know any of this stuff. You don't know Flat Earth, Mandela. You don't know the two-party system is fake. They're all part of the same guild. You don't know about chemtrails, nothing. You're just in the bag okay as they say and then all of a sudden somehow by the grace of god you see something that's why i got scooby-doo you're like oh <laughs> remember remember scooby-doo <laughs> he'd be like oh you see the federal reserve is in federal what you found out genesis 6 the giants are real and the alien inception is the fallen angels what what chemtrails <laughs> moon landings fake what and it just is a moment it's like this defining moment where you run into this wall 
and what happens is for the first time for most of us in our lives we begin to question the official story and that moment that spell is broken somehow thank you jesus the spell is broken and so what i've done here is i've kind of mapped out the process of what the typical sequence of events between you and the normie is once you see things and you start asking questions and you become a troublemaker okay that's what what you're viewed as in the eyes of the normie is a troublemaker so the first thing that happens in this process is uh you discover these profound things are are being pushed out there as something they're not and it's and it changes you so the normie discovers something that doesn't add up and they see the normie becomes the truther and you're changed and those around you are not changed you were changed dear soul kava rocco victoria jay mike you you used to be a normie but you got the you know like the mother fairy godmother with the magic wand ding you got the ding thing and you changed and your family didn't change so your priorities change what interest is you changes your ideals change and you get this urgency so the second thing the truther begins to question things that they've always accepted and never questioned. And of course, your priorities then begin to shift. Uh, you become inquisitive and you start to adopt an urgency. You know, you were planning the vacation just like everybody else, and all of a sudden the world's going to end and everybody's trying to kill you. And it's just, uh, you know, you put on the glasses like in They Live, and, and you see all the people around you are like these aliens or whatever analogy you want to use but you're just you've gotten off the bus you can't do business as usual any longer and you become hyper vigilant and you definitely get in touch with some emotions all right you get some anger there um i remember one person told me they were so angry for like two weeks at at you know academia and the government for lying to them and then there's shame you know, you've been fooled your whole life. And then frustration and powerlessness, right? You can't really do anything about it. There's such a big world. And there's just this really full range of very powerful emotions, which, by the way, your loved ones, your normie loved ones don't care. They, they do not try to empathize with you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But then the truther does something that really launches this um conflict which is you withdraw your compliance from officialdom and you begin to enter into self-governance which is why the whole status correction the all caps birth certificate is is the next frontier because this is where we operationalize being a truther this is where you step into literal freedom not just mind freedom but you take this concept of self-governance and you activate it by actually living free because we're thinking free, but we're not living free until we begin to step into this, what we're going to talk about tonight, 
and moving forward. And then, of course, you gain this burden to do something, which you never had before, really. You were just enjoying life, like the regular, like normies. But this point number three is really the most important one. Well, let me come back to that. The normie, in most cases, immediately and without investigation, rejects your testimony. That's what the normie does. As soon as you pop up on the radar as a kook, they're just, they're knocking down like whack-a-mole. You pop up and they boom. They immediately and without investigation reject your testimony. And that comes in many forms, but here's an example. You, you start broaching the subject and they'll be like, oh, I don't really pay attention to those conspiracy theories. Well, this is the, this is the centerpiece of this talk tonight right here. The moment that this is broached, we need to be stepping into that, and we haven't been. I know I haven't been, because this is a shaming technique, and it's shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Okay, so when, when somebody says this like this, even though they couch it in kind of kindness, oh, I don't really pay attention to those conspiracy theories, what they're saying is, you're an idiot. This statement is shaming you, which is a painful feeling, which is caused by the idea that you're a fool. Okay, so if your spouse or your friends or your pastor invokes this term, okay, here's the uh, interpretation. Oh, you know what, uh, Jay? You know what, Rocco? I don't really pay attention to those conspiracy theories. Let me tell you what that really means. You know what, Jay? You're an idiot. You know what, Jay? You're an absolute buffoon, and I'm embarrassed to know you. That's what they're really saying. And what would your reaction be to that, okay? You would actually probably not take that too well. But we have been, and that's why my talk tonight is called the normie needs to apologize. So the normie begins to use unchristlike shaming techniques to get you to be quiet. And this is an escalation. It starts out congenial like this, and then they get more, because more, first they think it's a face. <laughs> they just think, you know, you just cross something on the web and it's fascinating, but you'll get over it. But as time goes on, they realize you're not getting over it. So they up the ante and they start using terms like conspiracy theory, crazy, delusional, fringe, kook, impossible, demonic deception, false prophets, deceived, government psyop, Photoshop tricks. Well, you can't believe everything you hear on the Internet. You need to listen to the experts. This is a next level persecution, these types of attacks. This is an attack vector because they're too ashamed and they're too cowardly to look at the evidence. They don't look at it. If they do, they do it with their arms folded and their brains shut off. And we're going we're gonna to talk about how to overcome that finally. But other things you'll be subjected to are anger outbursts, blaming, manipulation, redirection, and accusation. And then the final stage, when they realize you're just not going to come back to planet Earth, is 
ultimatums, threats, edicts, demands, and conditions. And then after that, if you don't toe the line, you get divorced. Or they tell you to they tell you to buzz off. Or is it just me? And none of us have really been properly equipped to deal with how to handle this, just like the normie hasn't. I mean, this is new territory for all of us. But I really don't believe that we've thought this through very well, and we have allowed the normies to treat us with terrible disrespect out of a kind of naive kindness. And, you know, I'm just trying to get the mind of Christ. I'm judged by the law of love, and it's all about love, and I am trying to find my way, uh, just like everybody else. And and so if this doesn't bear witness with you, you know, if you feel like I'm in bitterness or I'm somehow advocating unchristlike things, I want to hear from you. I don't have all the answers. I'm just kind of like on display. Okay, here's my smoldering pit of ashes, which used to be a life. And I'm trying to grope through the darkness and figure out what to do next. And, uh, you know, this is my testimony. And this is what I'm feeling. And I'm observing things. And then I'm codifying my reaction to them. And I'm sharing them with you. And if you feel that, you know, I'm off the base. I mean, this is not a group of sycophants on this on this channel, okay? If I'm, like, off in a ditch, you guys let me know. But the normie is uninterested in, in understanding or empathizing with what you're going through. So there's, there's a disconnect from the loved one who would typically seek to understand the spouse or the friend or the, or the congregation member. I mean, the reaction that we get from pastors is stunningly unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable to the unbelievable level. Just rude and angry and dismissive and mocking and, oh, you need mental help. I mean, just with no research, no compassion, no Christ-likeness. It's a demonic thing, man. It's a, it's a bewitchment. So this topic somehow is, is disqualified from compassion. It's kind of like if they found out you were a pedophile, okay? It's kind of like that. Because, you know, if you're... If you're in that dark space, you're you deserve whatever happens to you legally, you know. But remember, as repulsed as you might be by the pedophile or the hacks murderer or whatever, remember if they truly repent and they cry out to Jesus and you hear about them in prison 10 years later serving in the prison ministry and loving the Lord, right? You would rejoice for them. Cuz Jesus has made them his own. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying and, and try to run with that. I'm not pro-pedophile, not pro-any sin, okay? I'm just saying that the normie is not showing you, they're not showing us the consideration that you should get from those who claim to walk with the God of compassion. <laughs> so just like you need to have compassion on those that are caught up in some snare, I think sometimes we forget where we came from. You know, after we've been walking with the Lord a little while, we can get a little religious about people's foibles or whatever. 
Well, that's what I mean when I say the normies not taking any prisoners. They're they're just ruthless, and and they they're like a hatchet man at the gallows. They're cruel and they're cold. And I am not exaggerating. I say that with all authority. After six, seven years, I have talked to hundreds of people who have been divorced by their spouse. They did not divorce their spouse, nor did I. We were divorced. Hundreds, not 10 or 20. And I am not exaggerating. We are frozen out. We are locked down. And eventually, the final stage comes and we're given ultimatums by our family our children, our co-workers, our pastors, our congregation members, our spouses. Conditions are given. There are consequences if these conditions are not met. These come on all levels of restrictions on, you know, how long you can talk about, hey, listen, we're going to Uncle Bill's, and I'm going to need you to only talk about things for one minute. <laughs> I mean, really? What am I, five? You know, I'm sorry. We, we need to stop putting up with this. And I'm going to show you how to do it. And I believe I have the mind of the Lord. But then we get the ultimatum. And if you do, you know, you know it's over. We can't, we can't go on like this. <clears throat> or they'll use anger to control you. Like I remember I was in the kitchen with my beautiful wife and my beautiful children. We're having a beautiful meal. Happy life. And somebody said, Something like, I could have sworn that word was spelled another way. Well, I had just been looking into it. It was a word that was totally like dilemma or judgment. Somebody just showed me that one. They just posted judgment is, is now, go ahead. Somebody spell judgment in the comments like you think it's spelled. Not, not what you think the new change is if you know it's been changed. But how do you spell the word judgment? Go ahead, put it into the uh, into the chat. How do you spell judgment? I'm going to spell it with an E, thank you. And of course, it has no E. It's J-U-D-G-M-E-N-T. There it is on Google. That's what the data sphere is telling us. Now, I, please don't send me any posts, any comments telling me, well, that's how they spell it in England for 100. I don't care about the backstory, okay? My memory says no. All these people are saying, what? Okay, Damar, what? Capitals, question marks. Cynthia, what? Okay, that's my proof right there. Here, J-Dub wanted to spell it with an E like I did, and so does Sandy. Sharice, what? <laughs> okay, but all these people will send me comments saying, you're an idiot. That's because of the English the English spelling of it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. If you say so. That's my response to that. Because guess what? When we notice a change in the in the reality, then all of history behind it has changed. So you could have a whole history where England spelled it that way and it's in all the books and how it came over here and sometimes it's spelled with an e and so i don't care about all of that i don't believe it it's another time stream to me this is the mandela effect it is what it is what it is so anyway i i dared to raise my voice about this and i said um 
Oh, that's it's spelled like that because it's a mental. <laughs> that was not a good idea. Okay. Bad idea. Because immediately in my kitchen, it became World War III. My blessed wife got really angry that I even suggested that. And, you know, I was sent packing, basically. So if you're like me, you try to handle those situations with grace, but it just leaves you with your nerve endings hanging out. And I'm here to tell you that what I've found is a better way. So these edicts and these decrees and these mandates, they come in all forms, but they tend to escalate. Okay, and so truthers like myself will typically live under these edicts of shame for a lot of years, like I did. And the relationship that you have is one of being controlled and managed and manipulated and misunderstood. And it's a very dark place to be. It's not fun. You're a, you're a pariah in your own home. But the key about that is there's no longer mutual respect. That's the conclusion that I've come to. My family has not offered me mutual respect to a large degree. Like, you know, if you became senile, would they exile you like I've been? I was told to leave. Now my kids have told me they don't want to talk to me because they're mad at me. They're mad because they think I've chosen this information over them. So they're jealous and they're offended that I love this more than them. But the opposite is what's really true, right? Because if I was senile, would you tell your senile parent who has early onset senility or dementia, would you tell them, I don't want to have a relationship with you anymore because you are you have dementia? No. No, of course not. So what, what is really going on? There's an ulterior motive there. What's really going on is they don't want their worldview challenged, and they're so adamant about it that they're willing to send you off. It's really them that cares more about the information than you which is really an important revelation. So I've kind of stumbled into this, and I'm feeling very regretful, actually, that I didn't understand how to take this position many years ago because it would have saved me a lot of pain and suffering, and I'm hoping that I can do that for many people. Because I've been talking about this, and it's kind of been building over the last four weeks. And I'm getting more insight into this very complex set of rules and so I'm going to stay on this again tonight. And as I share with you guys, I think there's going to be many people that are going to flip the script. That's what I call it. And you're going to be liberated. You're not going to have to exist under this cloak of shame any longer. And, uh, you know, if you go back to that step three, where the first time that term conspiracy theorist is invoked, or that word crazy or delusional is invoked, this is where shaming is introduced into the relationship. And it's designed to silence you. It's disrespectful, it's demeaning, and it's offensive. And we need to acknowledge it to them. We've let it slide. It's unchristlike, and, and so unchristlike, as a matter of fact, that their behavior is potentially damnable. Damnable means you go to hell. Okay. 
I want you to listen very carefully to this scripture, and you tell me if this does not sound like what the normie is doing. Matthew 5, 21. This is Jesus, and he's talking about having your heart pure before the Lord if you're going to pray. You can't pray around sin. You have to deal with the sin, and then you can approach the, the holy throne of God. So he says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Right? In 1 John, he says, if you, if you uh, hate your brother, you're a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life dwelling in him. There's another one. I'm going to say that one again. If you hate your brother, you are a murderer. Look it up. First John, I don't know the chapter verse. And if you are a murderer, then you know that you don't have eternal life. I mean, it literally says you're going to hell. All right, so listen again, because it's saying the same thing. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Isn't that what's happening? Aren't, aren't the normies getting instantly triggered? Like, whoa, where did that come from? And waving their arms, bugging their eyes out, and they're going off on us. But it escalates. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in, the, in danger of the council. And just for testimony's sake, I remember Raka in my Bible 30 years ago. So that is not a change to me. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. What? Remember what the definition of shame was? Let's go back here. Here it is. Shame, a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrongdoing or foolish behavior. If they say you're a conspiracy theorist, they're right here. Selah. Now, why are, we, why are we tolerating this? Why are we allowing people to, to endanger their souls? Thank you, Brother Matthews. 1 John 3, verse 14. Yeah, I did that one from memory. So the, the normie is calling us a fool, and they're in danger of hellfire because of it. And we're just knuckling under, and we're just uh, being fawning. It's very obsequious what they're doing. You like that word? I used to read one page of the dictionary before I go to bed. I think I did that wrong. They're obstreperous. That's what I wanted to say. It does seem that they're acting out of Matthew 5.21 to a T. They're sinning big time, and by doing all these things, they are endangering their souls. And it's them. It's not you. And they need to be rebuked in the name of Jesus. As soon as, that, as they invoke that term, any of those terms, the word crazy, conspiracy theorist, I'm, I'm going to show you how to do it. Because the problem was I was trying to be humble. I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying to honor people's boundaries. I'm not trying to push my beliefs on my family, but it didn't work for me. And it really doesn't work for any of us very well. I know that because I've been talking to you for six years. <laughs> and we have the same experience. It's universally the same. There's almost no variation. And I'm not, there is with people whose spouses 
are are gracious, like you know, you can have a normie spouse and they don't believe any of the things you believe, but they give you enough respect where they say, okay, you know, they they allow you your little indulgence, and they don't threaten you, you know, and they uh, they will actually engage you a little bit on it. But if you go on too long, they'll start to give you signals and you have to back off. So you have this kind of truce, but a lot of us don't have that. We basically are told in no uncertain terms, we have to recant or else. Because you think about it, have you ever really looked a normie in the eye and told them, listen, I'm right and you're wrong. I don't think I've ever really done that. (laughs) We just try to give them another factoid, but it's almost like we're insecure about how how much we believe, what we believe, and and our response is is uh, projecting that because they keep telling us how right they are so dogmatically by telling us that we're crazy. This is a conspiracy theory. You're crazy. You don't have to be crazy to believe that. And so, in a panic, we try to give them more information to convince them that. You know, we're right and they're wrong, but in a lot of cases, it's coming from weakness. It's not a strong negotiation uh, exchange that we're in. And we need to be smarter if we're going to deprogram them because they're the ones calling us fools and, and being in danger of hellfire. They're the ones that are deceived. They're the ones that have done no research. But we're, it's not working what we're doing. Giving them another observation without requiring them to engage in critical thinking just makes the whole dynamic worse and drives them to threaten us. They're normies. They're not allowed to look. That's what a normie is. The rules are you're not allowed to question officialdom if you're a normie. So they are in compliance with central command. And you have to figure out how to get them to look. And giving them factoids doesn't work. And so. Just like they feel comfortable with suggesting that they would be willing to withdraw their love from you if you don't pretend to believe they like they do by being silent. That's what they're asking you to do. They're saying, I want you to pretend you believe like I do by being silent. And if you do that, then we can stay in relationship. Well, that's pretty bold. So I have now become willing to withdraw my love out of a response to that. I wouldn't do that myself, but if that's how we're going to roll, then I am now going to make it a condition of relationship that I don't talk about what you don't want me to talk about, so I'll honor your boundary. But at the same time, I'm going to make a stipulation, and I call it put up or shut up. Maybe I don't call it that. I call it if you have the gall to call me crazy, I'm going to ask you to back it up. If you're going to require something of me, I'm going to require something of you. And so I'm going to give you a question. A question is, how can I see the Chicago skyline if the earth is round? It should be um, blocked by 1,700 feet of curvature, and there's a 1,470 feet is the highest building. How is that possible? Now, if you can't answer that question, that means that I have a very strong piece of evidence to support my position. And you're going to need to apologize or else we're, we're going to have an issue. We're not going to be okay because that's how things work with relationships. If you poke somebody in the eye, you can't just keep going on like nothing happened. 
All right, so I need everybody to do this with me. Okay, you're going to hold up your index finger like this, and you're going to say this after me. All right? I may be mistaken, but I'm not crazy. Okay, try that. Just hold up your index finger like this, <laughs> and you're going to say, listen, let me come back on the screen. <laughs> All right, I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy. That's how you respond the second you hear crazy, conspiracy theorist, fringe, whatever the term is, your finger goes up. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I might be mistaken, but I am not crazy. You are calling them on their Matthew 5 sin. They just called you a fool. And if you have a burden for their souls, you're going to need to step into them. And you can say something like this. Listen, since you've brought up that term, conspiracy theorist, or since you brought up the idea that what I believe is crazy, I'm going to need you to do something for me. Because what you just said really honestly is very offensive to me, and I'm going to need you to explain to me how I can see the Chicago skyline. If the earth is round, and, and the, let me address this. I, I get this question a lot. Well, you know, the Mandela effect is way more important than the flat earth. Well, try, you know, getting somebody to see the Mandela effect. It's, it's so subjective. It's really difficult topic to try to broach for somebody. Whereas the flat earth, it's much more objective. I can give a clear, one clear example. And really, they're all in the same box, right? It's all conspiracy theory stuff and if you see one thing your eyes are open you can start to see everything so that's why i i focus on flat earth all right so anyway we're, what we haven't been doing is we haven't been addressing the elephant in the room when they invoke this term whatever it is crazy conspiracy theorists they're calling us a fool they're saying you're an idiot and and that's something that you typically don't just slough off if that happens to you especially from your children, right? Or somebody like that should be respecting you or somebody that knows you. So listen, what you just said is really offensive. I may be mistaken, but I'm not crazy. And so what I'm going to need you to do for me is I'm going to need you to tell me how it's possible that I can see the Chicago skyline. And you give them the, the, the metrics on that, which are available in a number of different videos. And I'll post it on the website. Now, if you're not willing to do that, then you need to keep your comments to yourself. I don't want you to talk to me about being a conspiracy theorist or talking about crazy stuff because I'm right and you're wrong. Unless you can answer that question, all you've got is words. Oh, <laughs> come on. I'm right and you're wrong. You got to be kidding me. That is a showstopper. I wish I had done that three years ago. The first time I ever heard that term come up in a conversation, I'm going to say that again. Listen, if you're if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to answer my question, then you need to keep your comments to yourself. I don't want you to talk to now. They're telling us I don't want you to talk about crazy things. No, I'm going to tell them I don't want them talking to me. I don't want you invoking the term conspiracy theorist, crazy, fringe, kook. I don't want to hear any of that. Okay, because I'm right, and you're wrong, and I'll prove it. A answer the question. And that's it. Boom! Wall goes up. You're now protected. You're, 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 
you're not having to feel shame anymore. Now it's on them. You just took the control away and from them and you're in control. This is super liberating. And furthermore, every day that you don't answer actually makes you appear as you're crazy because the definition of delusional is to believe a lie and then you're resistant to facts. It's a simple question. All I need you to do is tell me how that's possible. Because see, if they can't give you an answer, that has to humble you. You have to be humbled by the fact that there's no explanation for why you can see Chicago. And you could do that anywhere. I Just one example. Anywhere you go, you can see 100 miles. So if we're going to stay in relationship, it's going to have to be a mutual respect. So I think you really need to apologize for saying that. Oh, if I'd only been so direct, I could have probably maybe even still been married. I don't know if that's possible, but certainly not be where I am with my kids because I have allowed this shaming to go on and on under this false sense of humility. I will write this up and I'll post this on the, on the website so you can download this. Because isn't the normie just so cavalier about insulting us and we're just taking it? Just taking it. I'm going to read it again. They're going to invoke the name conspiracy theorists. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, your finger goes up. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy. Right, you need to get an attitude like the sisters, right? Oh, you did not say that. You did not just say that, okay? Stop the presses. Oh, wait a minute. See, we've allowed that stink, that slime to go into the air and get all over us. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You, you know, I got enough self-respect and I want, now I know what that word really means. It means you're an idiot. Excuse me? I, I'm sorry. Did you just say that? Oh, stop the presses, okay? Up goes the finger. Excuse me, I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy. And so since you've said that, that's very offensive to me. And they're like, they're going to be like, whoa. <laughs> they're going to realize that you really believe this and that you are going to require them to conduct themselves with some decorum because normies are nuts. They're, they're in Matthew 5 calling us fools. And they're according to Jesus, they're in danger of going to hell because of it. I don't think I'm twisting the scripture to fit my theory here. And so you go down the line. I'm going to need you to do something. Since, since you invoked that, I'm going to need you to do something for me. Okay, I'm going to need you to explain to me how it's possible. So you're not giving them the fact. You're telling them they have to open their brain and think about the fact. And then they have to choose what they're going to do next. That's the difference. They are not engaging their brain. And by doing this, you're going to get them to engage their brain. Watch. It also brings out into the open this innuendo that's being tossed around. And I don't believe the normie even realizes it, that they've gone to attack mode and they need to be alerted to it immediately and put in their place, just like the employee of a private for-profit company that believes they have jurisdiction over you and demand your papers, call the police. The word police is, comes, has to do with policy. They're policy enforcers. That only applies to U.S. citizens, not state nationals. And I've had people say this to me. 
I didn't call you crazy. I said what you believe is crazy. <laughs> Have you ever been told that, J-Dub? Bruce, everybody, anybody ever been told that? Oh, I didn't say you're crazy. Just what I, what you believe is crazy. Oh, no, you called me crazy. It's a very strong insinuation, and it's still insulting. So you're going to have to back it up. Yes, yeah, citizen is slave. We're going to go there, Cheyenne. But we're not going to go there by me showing you something, because they sidestep that, because they're unwilling to admit that any of our information rises to the level of converting them. So instead, I'm going to require you to answer the question, and no matter what your answer is, I win. This question of, you know, how can I see the Chicago skyline? Doesn't matter what you do from that point on, I win. Because if you don't answer, you're crazy. Because you're delusional. You're, you're resistant to facts. If you do answer, well, you can't answer. Right? There is no answer. So the only answer is I don't know. And then I win again. Because now you've admitted that your model doesn't hold up to observation. So you certainly can't call me crazy. <clears throat> right? You win, you win, you win. I'm not going to slink around and have my family look down their nose at me with pity and think I'm a boob and a weak-minded fool because it doesn't work, okay? It's not working, and it doesn't work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this letter. This is a letter that I've created, and I'm just sitting on it. I'm going to pray about it. This is my next attempt to reach out to my family. And I've got some other ideas I'm going to add to it. But my family has abandoned me, not the other way around. If I was smitten with dementia, would you tell me you don't want to have a relationship with me? I don't think so. So it's not me that loves this information more than you. It's the other way around. Okay, so... My letter says, if if we're going to be restored and be able to be close again, I'm going to have to, it's going to have to be based on mutual respect, which means you can't continue to think I'm crazy and have any kind of meaningful relationship with me. I've tried very hard to help you understand that I'm not crazy, but I haven't done a very good job, and I'm sorry about that. How is it that my entire family is mad at me because they believe I care more about my beliefs than I do about them, while at the same time all of you are telling me if I talk about what I believe, then you don't want to have a relationship with me? I didn't leave our family. I was asked to leave. But my wife is not the only one sending me away. The only ones giving ultimatums of ending relationships are my wife and my children. And it's certainly not me. So doesn't that mean that you care more about what you believe than having a relationship with me? When you do that, you're saying that you care so much about your worldview not being challenged that you're willing to end your relationship with your father to protect your worldview. All he has to do is pretend he has the same worldview as you and never express his views, and then you'll accept him. Am I making you do that? I don't think so. Why is it that you can't see that you're proving that you care more about your beliefs than our relationship? Then you're blaming me for doing what you're doing. Am I saying to you, if you don't believe what I believe, I don't want to have a relationship with you? No. Telling me 
what I believe is crazy is the same as calling me crazy. It's very demeaning. It's offensive. It's disrespectful, especially when you're not willing to discuss why you think I'm crazy. If you say I've already talked about it or you're not going to talk about it anymore, then it's you that's ending our relationship and not me because here I am. I'm reaching out, trying to be in your life, trying to reconcile, trying to communicate. To me, you're like somebody that throws rocks at someone from a distance and then runs away. You can't call someone crazy, especially your father. And then when he tries to show you why he's not crazy, you say, I don't want to talk about it. Or I'm only willing to talk about these few things. Or I've already talked about it with you. We've already talked about that. Well, we need to talk about it again if we're going to reconcile. So if we're going to be restored, it's going to have to be you that takes a few steps towards us reconciling. You're going to have to at least be willing to consider the fact that I'm actually not crazy. Or that what I believe is not crazy. And that even though it may not be important to you, it is important to me. Because it's only then that you will possibly be able to stop feeling ashamed of me or feel angry with me for bringing division or feel rejected by me for caring more about these things than you. There's nothing more than I want to be restored to you. You're my beautiful family. I love you. But there's nothing more that I can do. It's up to you. But you say, but you're the father. It's not my responsibility. But you're the one telling me how I'm supposed to speak and how I'm supposed to pretend I believe like you do in order to be accepted by you. And then when I try to talk with you about it, you tell me you don't want to talk about it. So even though I'm your father and the adult, you have ended our relationship by closing off all communication and requiring me to pretend that I believe like you do in order for us to be okay together. That is not okay. I can observe your boundaries, but it's not okay for me to have to pretend that I believe like you do to have a relationship with you. I'm not requiring that of you, and I don't expect it to be required of me. You're going to have to accept me as I am, and if we're going to be reconciled, you are going to have to apologize. Let me explain. Everyone in my family, in one way or another, has called me crazy. And this is insulting, it's demeaning, it's disrespectful, and it's offensive to me, especially when I'm right. Because it turns out I can easily prove that I'm right. But none of you are willing to take that step because it seems that you care more about what you believe than our relationship. And I'm no longer willing to slink around like some boob and have all my children look down their nose at me because they themselves are unwilling to face the fact that I could be right. It's not me caring about these beliefs more than you that's keeping us apart. It's your unwillingness to answer a simple question about what you believe. So the only way that you can say none of these things matters is if you don't believe it's true. So at this point, I don't know what else to do or say. I know what you want. You want me to live out the rest of my life pretending I believe like you do, never bringing up anything negative or controversial. I mean, how is that even possible? <clears throat> and yes, that was actually asked of me by my wife. Do not talk about anything negative or controversial, is what I was told. Well, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but life is full of things that are negative and controversial. And so maybe some people are obsessed while others are apathetic. I'm not sure which is worse. 
What would you think of a man that walked by an alley and saw a girl being assaulted by two men, but kept walking because he was late for a movie? <laughs> so instead of being abandoned by my family, maybe someday I'll be honored for what I have come to know and what I stand for. All you have to do is muster the courage to look at one simple observation about what you believe. It won't cost you anything. You don't have to change your belief. You don't have to believe what I believe. But this one thing that you will do can probably bring us back together. So why wouldn't you do it? Have you really stopped and asked yourself, why is it that you refuse to answer this question? Why is it so important to you that you won't answer this question? If you look at the issue of not being able to see the Chicago skyline and you can figure out why it's possible, then you'll have your father back. Because what I said in my letter that I sent you before, if you can show me how I'm crazy, I will record a video admitting that I've been wrong about everything. I will shut down my ministry to all the other crazy people and I will go get professional help. I will take medications. I'll do whatever they prescribe and I'll become a normal dad just like you want. All you got to do is answer the question. But if you can't answer the question, then the only reasonable thing to do is to admit that there may be some validity to what I believe about the earth being flat. And if that's true, then the only reasonable thing to do would be to apologize for telling your father that he's crazy. And again, you'll have your father back because now we can have a relationship based on mutual understanding. Then and only then will we be able to have mutual respect, which is the basis of any relationship. But understand this. If you choose not to answer the question, then you are exhibiting the very dictionary definition of delusional, which means you believe what's untrue and you're resistant to facts. So if you refuse to answer and cling to your own beliefs over our relationship, this chasm between us will be your responsibility and not mine. I look forward to hearing from you as soon as possible. I miss you. I love you with all my heart. Okay? So there you go. It's now in their court. And I feel about a 1,000 pounds has been lifted off my chest. I can hold my head up because we're right. And that brings it into focus. And it puts the impetus on them to engage their brain. They're going to have to engage their brain. Okay, because they are victims of trauma-based mind control. All of us have been. It's a lot like somebody with uh, multiple personality disorder. So they have been compartmentalized, compartmentalized. Their, their true self has been compartmentalized if you have personality disorder and you're trying to survive some trauma, like, you know, some child that's repeatedly raped through their childhood. I mean, how do you cope with that? Well, you create a fantasy person in your mind, and then you go into that person to escape. I actually remember doing that with a counselor once. 
they were asking me about my mother and I started talking about her, you know, things she did, but then I would always like rewrite history in a way. And I would say, you know, but despite all her problems, she loved me and she was really wonderful. And the council was like, no, no, she wasn't. <laughs> I was like, whoa. So we, we, as a survival mechanism in our brains, we can compartmentalize things. And that's what the normie is doing because they're terrified of self-government. They have been domesticated and they have been emasculated and they have been neutralized and they're dependent and uh, they're afraid of the authorities and so we can't get through to them because part of the programming is not to look at the information and then it's also to hate the truther to mock you and to be cynical and to shame you and they're ruthless and the narrative out there is that we should be jailed as science deniers. And to some degree, your loved ones believe that. So you're dealing, when you're talking to a normie, you're dealing with some that's like a person that's involved in an investigation for murder, and they have the bloody knife hidden in their closet, right? And the police come in, and they're looking around, and this person is just really, they're really invested in you not looking in the closet. Right? You follow me? That's the normie. They're really invested in not looking at the flat earth or the Mandela effect or the Bible changes. So the normie is going to take your evidence and throw it out the back door of their mind. And they're going to fight you every inch of the way. So you have to get them to engage their mind in this process. Because they're going to say, don't look in the closet. Or they're like little children playing on the playground and they fall down, right? And instead of feeling the embarrassment, they say, I meant to fall down. You ever see kids do that? I meant to do that. So reality is continuously exchanged for something more comfortable with the normie. All of these things that we traffic in are painful to them, and they have to exchange them for a more comfortable reality immediately. So you can show them any number of proofs like moon landing, ISS on wires. I mean, they're so obvious, you would think it's almost a joke, but it's real. I mean, these are the real things we're being shown. And they and you look at them, it's like so obvious, and they look at it, and it just goes right out the back of their brain. Because logic and reason and integrity are only subroutines to the normie. They have those, but they're subroutines. They should be the primary cognitive arena that these things are processed in, but there is an overriding program that overrides their reason. It's like a computer virus, and that is a trauma-based mind control message not to question officialdom. That's what a normie is. They don't question. So they can't allow the information in, and they still allow that program to keep running no matter what they see. So you've got to get them to question. Because I've often thought, you know, normies won't look at much information and they have these strident positions that they take where they just have this intellectual superiority. But it's all smoke and mirrors, you know. It's all bloviating. 
I thought if I could just get him in a chair for three hours, I could convince anybody. But I'm really beginning to question that. We have to get the normie to engage their volition somehow. And so I believe flipping the script may be the way to do that. And I know a lot of people just say, you know, you can't convince anybody of these things. The Holy Spirit has to reveal it to them. You're wasting your time. I get that from time to time. Well, if that's true, then you might as well stop evangelizing, right? Because don't ever go out and try to witness to anybody because you're not going to be able to convince anyone that Jesus is wonderful and that they need a Savior. God has to show it to them. But you don't believe that, do you? So how do you get the normie to engage their volition? You've got to get leverage. Okay, so for instance, now I would never do this, and I don't suggest anyone ever does this, but I just say this to make a point of what, what a getting leverage would be like. So if you were a really bad person and you took a gun and you strap your person down and first you shoot their dog so they know you're for real and then you put the gun to their head and you say, answer the question or I'm going to pull the trigger. Huh? Yeah, that's leverage. All right, let's take a nicer example. You tell them, I will, if you answer this question, I will give you $1 million. Well, now there's leverage there. They're going to be a lot more prone to answer the question. Well, we're not going to do either of those. But if you ask, get them to answer the question, you're getting leverage, or you're getting them to think. But the leverage is you. You are going to put yourself on the chopping block. If they truly want you, you're going to force them to engage their mind if they want you. In opposition to officialdom, they're going to have to step out into the fray, right? So imagine you're in North Korea. You're, you're a citizen of North Korea, and you're in the presence of Kim Jong-un. I think that's his name. And you're in a public press conference. And you're asked, what do you really think of Kim Jong-un? Well, if you want to live another hour, you're going to have to give a very enthusiastic, measured response. And the normie, in a similar way, has been programmed to be in slavish compliance with officialdom against all reason. So by upping the ante and proactively risking whatever equity you represent to them, you may be able to force them to engage in critical thinking. Engage the hyperdrive, Captain. Or if you ever saw um, Incredibles, the wife tells him, Bob, engage. Engage, Bob. You're like a counselor who's trying to help the person that has multiple personality disorder to get in touch with their true self by just coaxing them out into the open just a little bit to get in touch with their feelings as frightening as they might be. So if I just keep saying, why can't I see the skyline? They just keep, I don't want to talk about it. All right, well, if I give you a million dollars, will you tell me? Yes. Because if your relationship was a piece of paper, they just crumpled it up and threw it in your face. That's what they think of you. It's kind of like the Wicked Witch of the Rest. Remember that in The Wizard of Oz? And if you put water on her, she'd be like, I'm melting. And then you're like, it's just water. What's the problem? It's just a question. Why are you getting so defensive? Why, why are you locking down on this? 
I'm I'm offering you the world. I'm offering you me. You can have me back. Just answer the question. Nope. <laughs> it's really it's gonna work though over time. It's gonna work. And I had this experience. I was doing the flat earth challenge every Sunday, and I'd get people that would that were on this channel, but they weren't flat earthers, and they would come at me with, What about this? What about that? But I had already anticipated that. And I told them. Here's three things you can't say because I've already proven them. It is it isn't just flat there. It's because that's what they'll say. Well, the Earth is round, but it's just not round there. No, it's everywhere you do this. I'm just picking this one spot because it's so highly documented. It's not a superior mirage because we've proven that. It's not atmospheric lensing. Light doesn't go around corners. Atmospheric lensing and those things require very unique atmospheric conditions but you can see the skyline 24-7, so it's not that. And my calculations are correct. So it's none of those three things. And so they would. the guy was like, what about this? What about that? We went back and forth for weeks. And I just keep bringing them back, bringing them back, bringing them back, bringing them back. Finally, one person in seven years told me, I don't know. Why can't you see the Chicago skyline? I don't know. But I had to work for it. Okay, this is the exact same thing. Once you've issued your ultimatum, you just stay on that. Because they're going to come back with all of these things that are manipulation. Well, you care more about this, and why are you so obsessed? And this is all you care about. or um, whatever, whatever it is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but what? What you said was very upsetting to me. And in order for me to have, you know, for us to be okay, I need you to answer the question. Well, I'm not going to answer the question. Okay, that's fine. It's like a demon. Like I've seen demons manifesting people. And I've heard them, the demons would say, don't talk about that name. The name of Jesus would make them go crazy. And they would say, don't talk about the name of Jesus. And that's what the normies like. They don't want you to talk about this stuff. And this may not work. They may be so invested in being normal and in compliance and pledging their allegiance to the United States Corporation, pledging their allegiance to the entity that has secretly conspired to enslave them. That's really unbelievable. I'm, I'm just learning that the, the whole Pledge of Allegiance thing. Because I'm more patriotic than you might think. Because you're pledging your allegiance to the flag to the fictitious, malevolent, privately held for-profit company posing as a de jure government designed to enslave you and profit off you for your entire life to your own detriment. It is only a de facto government operating under the color of law using fraud and hearsay and assumption to get you to willfully comply with their enslavement. Now, if you get the original organic constitution back into play, then I'll salute the flag. I'm as patriotic as the next guy, but I'm done being led around by the nose. But this is how deep the normie and all of us are under mind control, tricking you into thinking that you have to have a marriage license in order to get married. I'm listening to this guy now, and he got out of the state of Alabama, does not issue marriage licenses anymore. He told him how to do it. You get a Bible, and you write down in the Bible the date you got married, and then you fill out an affidavit and you attach it to that picture of the Bible page. And then you publish it at the uh, 
cork of clerks or whatever, and and you're married. We only, and you have the same rights and privileges. It's legal. It's lawful. And so we're being led into all of this bondage, and we don't have to be tricking you into commerce regarding your driver's license so that you fully and dutifully pay all these fees and comply with these regulations. And if you don't, they'll fine you and put you in a cage. So I don't think the federal government should be abolished because our forefathers contracted with them, but only for 19 agencies, not 6,000 agencies. <laughs> and so all of us have been just inculcated since birth to lick the boots of the tyrants. And uh, they're not going to easily turn loose of having overlord over them to be self-governed. It's too frightening. Unless they get educated, they're like little domesticated babies and they can't fend for themselves or function on their own. And, you know, Flat Earth or Mandela or any of these things is asking them to let go of all that. You're asking them to step out of being self-governed by questioning the official story. But I believe that issuing this ultimatum may be the thing to do it it could act like a sort of a virus in their programming. So now instead of trying to get them to look at your information, you're going to try to get them to want to look. Think about the difference. I don't want you unwillingly compliant. I want you to be willfully compliant. I don't want you to look. I want you to want to look. Well, how do I do that? Well, I put me on the chopping block. If you want me, you got to look. That's what they're telling us. Because leaders are defined as people that have someone following them. So they say, I'm not talking to you. If you talk about these things, we're done. They're in control and you're following them. And they have dramatically devalued you. And, and what's really sick and twisted is that we've allowed this. We've tolerated being devalued by knuckling under and saying, I'll be quiet. I'll allow you to rule over me with your deception. Well, like I said in my letter, I'm not going to allow you to look down your nose at me like a fool anymore. Uh, we need to know who we are in Christ, have our self-worth intact in God, not to accept you know, being diminished like that by the people that should respect us. Everyone's entitled to their beliefs, but... I'm not going to allow people to disparage me and devalue me in my relationship without consequences. I mean, that's how relationships work. I'm awesome. I'm beautiful. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm nice. Let's not forget I'm right. I'm, I'm correct in what I'm trying to say. So the normie is stridently stomping around and bloviating about how right they are when they're totally deceived. And they're the one that is shutting everything down. It's not us. And I'm trying to open it up. And I'm, I'm going to do it with one question. It's like Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. Because a serious offense has taken place by you to me, and you're going to need to fix it. I can't do it for you. I've tried. Until you're ready to talk about this and answer the question, we don't really have any kind of meaningful relationship. Okay, so for instance, in sales, this is called a takeaway. So you know how people say, 
I don't want to be pressured into a sales decision. Okay, so sales pressure is external. It's when the salesperson is urging them to move forward. And in a way, that's what the truther has been doing to the normie. We're using pressure trying to get them to buy, okay? Influence, however, is not external. It's internal. And influence comes by simply asking questions. So people don't want to be sold. They want to buy. And all of us buy things. And many times we do want someone to help us. You know, I don't, uh, no, I don't know everything. I need somebody to shorten my learning curve, to give me confidence. I just, I need to make sure I'm making the right decision. And so, if someone's generally in the market for what I'm selling, I simply ask you a series of questions that eliminate all the reasons why you wouldn't move forward. And then, I simply ask you, okay, well, do you have any other questions before you're ready to move forward? And then you say, no. I say, okay. Well, I have your address as one, two, three Main Street. Is that right? And we're in we're in a sale. Well, in a similar way, we need to get the normie to buy because we've been trying to sell them. That's why we're going to flip the script. If you're if you're a normie, you see the truther as a rebel, as an enemy of the state. That's why they don't like you anymore. I mean, think about it. If any of us on this transmission are hauled away for being science deniers. They're openly talking about that. They're openly talking about people disseminating misinfo. You're on the list as a Christian, Trump follower, all different kinds of stuff as a domestic terrorist or normie. Friends will be sad for us, but uh, they're going to be saying, well, what do you expect? He got what he deserved. That's how they think of us. Or if you go to jail because you're a tax cheat, well, taxes are for the employees of the corporation. Uh, a resident is defined as someone who's temporarily in an area doing business. That's what a resident means in legal terms. That's what you are until you correct your political status by becoming a state national. And we're going to talk about that in a second here. You, Before that, you're a person, you're a citizen, you're a resident. And all that's under commerce, but if you're a free man, by returning your status to state national, then the bylaws of the corporation don't apply to you. Okay, but if you're still operating under that, claiming your civil rights as a U.S. citizen and all that, and you get in trouble with the IRS because you didn't, you do owe them, um, your normie sees you as a tax cheat. It's a very shameful thing because they all love their slavery. And you just got what you deserved, and there's no pity for you. So there's a deep flowing avarice towards the truther that's very vitriolic. And so they feel justified at not looking at the information. Think about that. It's why they don't look, because you're a rebel. This is all rebellion. This is all dark and evil. And, you know, you're unpatriotic and. My wife used to always tell me that because her father-in-law is the most patriotic, supposedly, guy ever. He has this thing on 4th of July. He has so many flags and trains and all this stuff that the news comes out. For years, they come out and film him and interview him. But it's all fake patriotism. It's, you know, it's not real freedom. 
which is what patriotism is all about. It's the greatness of the Constitution and, and the document and the concepts of inalienable rights. So by challenging them to have to answer a question, this engages their mind instead of look, throwing facts at them. And uh, this could be the thing to have the aha moment for them. Just a brief moment where they open their eyes and some uncharacteristic state of lucidity might hit them, cognitive clarity the first time in their life, to be able to bring themselves to ask a question that's in conflict with officialdom. Because if they truly do love you and they want you in their life, then doesn't it really make sense that they would be willing to answer a simple question? See, now you've... In, you've you've inserted leverage into this process, which wasn't there before. So it's like a gambler. You're at a gambling table and you're out of chips. So you're out of money. So you're overdrawn at the poker table, but you have a royal straight flush. It's unbeatable. The only way you could lose is if somebody else had a royal straight flush, which is like never happened in probably history. So you basically are 100% certain to win. So what you do is you go ahead and you put the deed to your house on the, in the bet. So this takes a little nerve, okay? What I'm suggesting here is what I'm saying. You're risking a lot, but no matter what you do, you win. If they don't answer, you win. If they do answer, you win. So you're not gambling money, though. You're gambling you to get the leverage you need with the normie. Because that really does show them, hey, you you really are serious, and you're going to need to be respected in what you believe. So the normies trying to tell the truth or to be quiet and stop talking about these things. It's like a little child slamming the door on the closet because they think the boogeyman's in there. That's what they do. Be quiet. You're trying to bring up something outside the Overton window, and they slam the door because they're like a little child that's afraid of seeing what's in the closet. But if they've sacrificed you on the altar of fear, if they've cut you off, they're okay with that because they feel like they're in control of the narrative. Okay, they're in fear. And so they use anger to get out of fear. So they threaten and that keeps them, you know, calm. But if you flip the script... And you do the takeaway and you tell them, listen, since you feel that way, if you want to have a relationship with me, you're going to have to answer this question. And you just let it hang out there. And you just start hammering on that one reason, one reason. Only thing I'm interested in is answer the question. And they come back and they try to bring you back in under the old rules. You say, no, I'm. this is a condition for us to move forward. I'm going to need you to answer the question because I'm not going to be a boob to you. We can't have a relationship if you think I'm crazy. If you really do think I'm crazy, then you need to answer the question if you want to have a relationship with me. So you're like a parent. You're trying to teach your little toddler to walk, and they're clinging to the table, and you're saying, okay, Billy, come on. He's holding on the table. <laughs> and you say, come on, Billy. And he lets go to get to you. Okay? He's willing to risk letting go of the table, and he's going to fall forward and it's like a controlled fall and he's falling well then he's coming right into your arms because he wants you right that's what you're doing you want me answer the question this is way different than you want me look at this 
picture of the moon landing fakery, right? No, this is way different. This engages the hyperdrive. This engages their brain. They actually have to use their mind and question authority. And that is the key. But most importantly, and, and really what I'm experiencing now is I get my dignity back. In all of your interactions, the moment the word conspiracy theorist is invoked, the moment the term is injected into the conversation, you hold up your index finger. And you say, excuse me, I'm sorry, but that's very offensive. And if you're going to use that kind of terminology, I, I need to let you know. I may be mistaken, but I'm not crazy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Okay. And I'm going to need you to answer a question for me. That's it. Boom. You put the, you lay down the law right then and there. I wish I had done this four years ago. It would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And I don't think I'm different than a lot of people. Because now you're appealing to a nobler motive in your people around you. They're going to have to take a baby step if they want you. And maybe it will start to dawn on them, why am I so unwilling to answer this question? So instead of calling you out, you're calling them out. Instead of them giving you an ultimatum, you're giving them an ultimatum. And instead of you skulking around in a cloak of shame, now they sort of got one. Instead of you feeling the pressure to conform, now they feel pressure to conform. Praise the Lord. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, Lord willing. And if you'd like to learn more about how to face the inevitable pushback that comes when you start to question the official story, be sure to pick up a copy of the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. It's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. It's on Amazon, or you can get it through my website, which is wakeuporelse.com. It's on audio or paperback. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter so we can be notifying you when we're doing an interactive live stream. There's a lot more content on the truther journey, as well as the supernatural Bible changes on my YouTube channel, which is wake up or else, all one word. And remember, if anybody calls you a kook or a conspiracy theorist nut, you hold up your finger and you tell them, hey, I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy. <laughs>